Hey everyone, this is Aubrey. This is Melody. Welcome back. And this is Mostly Macabre. So, what's going on, everyone? How have you been? I've been pretty good. I'm excited because we're getting closer to spooky season. (gasps) It's my favorite season of all. (sighs) Me too. As you know. I believe we are going to be going on a little ghost tour in local downtown Ybor. Yes, we are. We're going to try and record it and post it for you guys to see. And uh, what's it called? Where'd you go before? It was a... a When I went before, it was a ghost tour in Ybor. Spookeasy. That's what it was. Oh, the spooky! We're going to do that, too. What a great name. They closed for about a year, I believe, and I think they're opening up again. And at the time that I had gone, they were only a kava bar. So they only served kava and, I believe, like some appetizers. But now they're going to serve alcohol as well. What's kava? So kava? Yeah. Like, it's like a tea. Uh, Kevin okay. brought some to <gasps> That's one of right. the... That's right! Oh, my God, root. I can't believe I forgot okay. that. It's a, it's yeah. a, You're right. It's a root that you grind up. Putting the tea That's right. Very I have relaxing. had it. I can't believe it. You had some? Yeah. It was still, and we went on our lunch break, mm. too. <laughs> I mean, what's kava? Okay. <laughs> yeah. Welcome back. It, it's a good time. <laughs> but yeah, don't you have to call ahead, get the secret passcode, and then find it? And I think so. I don't remember. It's been so long since I've been. I do remember we had a bit of a hard time trying to find it in the first place. If it's the same one that I'm thinking about, the decor is elite. It's, <laughs> it's amazing. It's I can't wait. Very I'm spooky. so excited. Yeah, so we're going to try and go there. And we're going to kind of try to record it and like show you guys and I'm what really it excited. looks like. There are things to do here in Tampa. Not a whole lot, but we have a few things yeah. here and there. It's really hot while you do it. It doesn't feel <laughs> like fall, but we still, you know, embrace pumpkin spice at least. Yeah. <laughs> that is true. A lot of it is just staying in the air conditioning during summertime. Yeah. yeah. I stay inside all summer. <laughs> I know. That's why I have a vitamin D deficiency because I stay inside. That's why I'm pale. Like my friends back home are like, you moved to Florida and you're the palest you've ever been. I'm like, it's too it's damn hot. hot. <laughs> I'm like, I would die if I, I go outside. I agree. That's how we survive is oh being inside. That's why we have vitamin D it's deficiencies. It's brutal. It's brutal down here. But yeah, no, I'm going to try. I do want to try and do a weekend up north and bring my kids during like, I have them for Halloween this year. So either for Halloween or like, you know, I'm going to try and get up oh, there so at least fun. for a weekend. But um, and maybe do Salem again. Try to like maybe Bella will be in a better mood because <laughs> she was for a little girl who's been begging me to take her to Salem. Mm-hmm. She was so miserable. Like I you can't. can take us. <laughs> I know, right? I yeah, would love to. You gonna do the road trip again with the? the I'm not doing a road. No, Kevin and I if it's won't a weekend, throw up in your car. <laughs> yeah. We'll yeah. Up if it's a weekend, I'll fly. I'll have to just like board cliff or find him a doggy babysitter mm. but uh, you know i have a five-star rating <gasps> on right. river you would hate it though he's terrible <laughs> I, i'd have to pay you i like, think i'm retiring plus. though i do really think i'm retiring yeah, my just, dog's not good enough to just like, i'm a cat person i've completely realized i am a thousand percent cat person after sitting again i'm like oh this is bullshit <laughs> getting i up. love me some cliff but i'm gonna tell you right exactly. now he's I naughty love dogs dogs naughty. are great they're they're amazing they're pure pure beings they're just wonderful i'm gonna tell you right now about wonderful my ass that dog <laughs> he has such attitude just like my daughter like i'll t- i'll take him outside and then he'll be mad because he wants to go to the dog park like he'll bark and look at the leash like i know what he wants he wants to go to the dog park i'll be like no you're going on the run i can't take you to the dog park right now at least just get out get some air He'll go outside, he'll run around, chase dragonflies, which is his favorite thing, which is really cute. cute. Then he'll come in, stare me right in the eye, and pee on my curtains. I'm like, you've got (laughs) to be kidding me. Oh my goodness. As a huge fuck you. I'm not kidding you. He is like... After and he you, knows. He knows better. He's just doing it to fuck with me. He's, he's channeling oh my goodness. your daughter's energy. Yes. You know. I'm like, you son of a bitch. <laughs> I would I would have to rehome him. <laughs> no, I would never, but you I You can always get new curtains. Come on. <laughs> no, I won't I won't rehome him, but I'm like, you mu- now it's on. Now we have a power like a power struggle going on. <laughs> if anyone's peeing on the curtains, I'm gonna it's pee me. on you next. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> God damn it, where's your lamb chop? Get it, give it to me. 
But it truly confirmed how I am definitely a cat person. I Benji never wakes me up at two o'clock in the morning to go be like he's. But that's because you have a litter box. I get rid of Theo's litter box, and now why would you even do that? Because it smells, and I don't want to deal with it. So how does he go? He will wake me up at two in the morning to go pee outside. (laughs) Are you serious? I let him out. Oh yeah, he'll wake me up if he's got to go. And if he can't for some reason, Mm -hmm. like if I don't wake up, or if like the door's shut and he can't wake me up, and he really. This is like dire. If he really has to go, he'll go in the tub, which isn't a bad mm, thing. Wow. I mean, do I really want him going in the tub? No. But at least you just flush it it's away. It's so easy to clean up. Yeah. Where at least he's not peeing on like a couch or a mattress. The only time he's ever done anything like that is when he's mad because like mm-hmm. if I have company over for a long time visiting, he he gets a little territorial mm. and he's definitely reasonable. Pe- he's peed like on a blanket or like on the couch before. It'd be like, actually he took a, poop on the couch and I woke up and I'm like this was a huge fuck you like he knows better he he did this on purpose because he was mad that like people are in his house so funny. Who are these but people? no and he had a litter box then mm-hmm. he was just like fuck you here's here's a couch oh I love that for him uh, yeah he's allowed to but my animals will have two I'm just yeah. like the weak link in the house like, <laughs> between Bella and my animals I'm screwed but um but no he's good he goes mm-hmm. outside ever since I get rid of the litter box he's really Honestly, that's amazing. I didn't know that that was an option. And he'll hold it for a really long time, too. So it's not like he wakes me up every night. It's only if he really has to go or something. But I try to make sure he goes out before I go to bed. And he'll just. Well, we definitely baby Benji a lot. And I think that Jay would probably kill me if I told him that I was just going to let Benji outside. (laughs) Well, the first time. (laughs) Because of the fear of like owls or birds or prey or whatever, like trying to snatch him. Yeah. Well, I have a. I have a pond behind me and we have an alligator in there. So like there's a massive alligator out there. So for a long time, oh I didn't let Theo out for like four years. I forced him to be an indoor cat, even though his soul was screaming to go outside and he is born to be an outdoor cat. And, um, finally, like the first time he got out, he was gone for like 24 hours. I had freaking, <gasps> I have never put a sign up saying missing cat in my life until this. Cause I was like, mm. Bella is going to kill me. She's going to have a stroke. She is going to be so upset if her cat doesn't come back. Like I was Aww. more afraid of Bella's reaction than anything. So I put up like these missing cat signs and finally like he came back, took all the signs down. Cause I felt like an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> and then now once we got the dog, it's like, it kind of took some of the pressure off of Bella. Like, she doesn't freak out as bad about it. So I started letting him out. Like, and growing up, we let all of our cats outside. Mm-hmm. Like, they they go, like, a little bit. They go, like, so far, and then they come back. And then they go a little further, and then they come back. Like, that's how mm. cats are. They're really, really good about being outside. So I've seen in documentaries. <laughs> yeah. So, like, me keeping a cat inside is very, like, unnatural for me mm. until I finally get the dog and Bella kind of chilled out a bit because she's got, like, another pet. Like, like it took kind of, like, the pressure off. Yeah. So, like, I started letting the cat out when they weren't home, and he did so well. Now he's, like, indoor-outdoor cat. Thank God. Well, we've got... Coyote issues in Florida, though. We have coyote. Remember we had them in the parking lot at work? Yes. <laughs> they were pretty big, too. I was impressed. Because where I grew up, we had, like I have said before mm-hmm. on this podcast, I have mentioned how you could hear them in my parents' woods, the little dens where, like, one would yip, mm-hmm. and then across the woods you hear them mm-hmm. yip. So we had, like, really big coyotes sometimes. And our cats, they survived. A couple wow. didn't come home. But we've had a lot of cats, so yeah. it's like really such is the circle of life. I, was gonna say, I, I swear to God, like my siblings would cry and carry out, and I'm like, "Am I the only one that caught the memo?" Lion King, like see, the circle of life. People. I see the post all the time. I'm like next door or whatever. It's like, beware, coyotes out. One beware, my they, cats. Like they're always they're out. always kind of like hawks. I honestly think you're more in danger of a hawk getting your cat than oh, a yeah. freaking coyote. We spoke about this on a different episode too about how if hawk came down and like stole my cousin's chickens. Yes, <laughs> that scares me more. I actually was more afraid of my cat getting eaten by either because the cat would like to go to the water, which I don't know why cats hate water. An alligator snapping it or freaking hawks. I was not worried about coyotes or mm-hmm. like dogs. I'm like, there's no. also snakes you have to worry about. I wasn't even worried about that because I'm gonna tell you right now, my cat will mess up my German Shepherd. <laughs> like I'm not kidding you. Like, they'll play together, and the German Shepherd is 100 pounds. The cat is 11 pounds. That cat, when he gets fed up, 
He just like <laughs> will slap that dog one time. The dog yips and runs away crying. Yep. Like I've watched cats mess up some dogs. They can protect claws. themselves. Yep. But <sighs> when it comes to like a hawk when it's above them, no. <laughs> No. The thing about my Benjamin is he's a little bit of my a pussy. Benji. My little Benji. <laughs> he's a bit of a pussy, but I love him. Aw. Yeah. Theo was born to be brought in. He's, he's a little prince. We buy him, like, human-grade food. Oh, he God. only stays inside. He's very particular about things. He only loves about three humans in the entire earth because <laughs> That's he... That's a catch <laughs> That's very cat-like. Yeah, that is right. very cat that, That's what I respect about them. He doesn't that- care about, like, exploring anything other than his patio and the house. Like, he's... We're not scared that, like, if we open the door that he's going to dash out and run away. Oh, no. Theo he doesn't was, care. Like, dying to get out. He was like, get me out of this bitch. <laughs> not he Benji. He was born to be... Like, he was like a, like a fucking tiger at heart. He wanted to be out. I felt guilty keeping him in. <laughs> Poor thing would be at the window twitching his little tail, like, trying to get out. Like... <laughs> Benji's very content with his little kingdom. No, we had this little, um, (laughs) kids called it Theo's little hidey hole. They called it it this cube that had a hole in it where he would go and like rest. And they're like, Theo, you don't want to be outside. Go to your hidey hole. His cat cave. It sounds a lot cooler than the Heidi hole. <laughs> I do kind of wish that Benji was a little bit more, uh, what, what would be the word? Um, territorial. Not territorial. Like, uh, territorial. Primordial? Is it primordial? I don't know. More of a cat? Yeah, like more... More primitive in nature? Primitive. Yeah, like primitive. Mm-hmm. I wish he would tap more into his little cat nature and like... You bougied him too much. You bougied him. Yeah. He's all bougied it's up. It's too late. <laughs> no, Theo, no matter how much I tried to bougie him, he was like, fuck this shit. I am a lion. <laughs> he, he was like a, he's Benji a Florida a bougie life. He yeah. loves it. Did I mention he loves Formula One? He loves to watch Formula One on Sundays. You're hilarious. <laughs> oh, my God. This is is the animal podcast, everyone. Forget macabre. (laughs) Jay will put Formula One on on Sundays, and his little head goes like this. Like, he twitches back and forth, like, watching the little cars go by. But does he want to jump at them, or does he just watch them? No, he just, like, watches them. And at first, we weren't really sure. Like, does he really love Formula One, or is what's going on? But then, like, usually when when we're, like, in the bed, he watches us instead of watching the TV. Like, he's facing us. Okay, tell me more about that. But then he turns his little head around to see what's on TV, and then eventually he he turns his whole body around whenever he noticed that it was forming. Formula One, and then funny. he started watching it, and his little head was tri- going gotta, back and forth, watching the cars go by. Play it in reverse. Oh yeah, hit rewind on that one. <laughs> Good thinking, Kevin. It's so funny though. <laughs> yeah, funny. I think it's a little too late for Benjamin. He's, yeah, yeah, he's, he's sounds, used to a certain standard of life now. <laughs> he's ruined. You ruined him. See, I like when they're independent. Like I'm like, look, I'm going away for four days, Theo. Mm. Find another home for four days. Goodbye. <laughs> I would have to find someone to come and heat up his human grade oh, food and eat oh, it. My, my, let me tell you, my animals are so pumped when I give them wet food. They're like, "Is it my birthday? Is it my last? Am I dying? Am I getting put down?" Because that's all he's used to. <laughs> my little dog gets a mix of both. Best of both worlds. Yeah, you guys spoil your animals more than me. I'm like, look, I want you to live, but not that long. Okay, like <laughs> I want him to live forever. I I catastrophize. So, like, I look at him sometimes and I just love him so much that I start thinking about all the awful ways that he can die. Oh and my I, God. I start crying <laughs> thinking about all the ways that Sorry. Benjamin could possibly you die. Need therapy. <laughs> What's wrong with you? Okay, we need to move on. So, well, we really went on tangent. Oh, yeah, here. I think we have a story or something. <laughs> something like that. The reason that you're all here today, I did bring you a story today. So today, I brought you a story from Mexico, my... um, Yeah, motherland. My motherland. I wasn't actually born there, but I still try and strongly relate because there's culture there. It was your first language. (laughs) It was my first language, and I use that all the time whenever I don't know something in English. Okay. 
Oh, uh, you're one of those. <laughs> what? I, I use that as an excuse when I don't know. <laughs> it is. It's a great excuse. And it I truly wish I wasn't that. my first language. Whenever I first I started think it's school, great. I wish. I did not know English. Like, I, I went to school not knowing a lick of English. That's fantastic, to be honest with you. Like, because you will learn it in school, and now you're completely fluent. My family, I'm only fourth generation, and I don't have any Portuguese. It died out so fast. I think my grandfather mm-hmm. could speak it and understand it. I've never heard my grandfather speak it. My mom doesn't know it. I don't know it. It completely in that like oh, short man. amount of time. Because I think, yeah, my great-grandfather was conceived in Portugal, born in America. Mm. Language already gone. I've been oh, trying no. to learn Spanish yeah. for years. They used See, it to talk in front of the kids instead of <laughs> with the kids. So, yo aprendo muy lentamente. Very muy good. Bien. Thank oh. you. Oh. <laughs> very good. I'm like very good, Kevin. <laughs> I took French. My mom always made sure that we knew Spanish, though. That's actually really good. If I actually could speak another language, my recommendation to anyone out there who can speak another language solely 100% talk to your children in that language because when they go to school, they will learn English. I 1,000% agree because now I am in a sales type job and actually you get paid it's more. made me more money because I am able to speak Every both phone languages. call I got, I had to give to Melody when I'm like, ah, Melody. Yeah, but that you. job wasn't paying me more money despite how no. many languages I spoke. I know, so. but it definitely Even helped though. me out. <laughs> Even though I was she, like, was, she was bi. <laughs> Bilingual. Bye. She's Bilingual. completely bi. <laughs> hey, we we completely support equality around here, okay? Oh, yeah. I don't care what you do in your free time. It's all good. Free time all time? <laughs> oh, my God, Kevin. You're going to get us canceled. Please forgive Kevin. He's old and old. senile. Senile at times. <laughs> <laughs> he was a born of a different time. Uh, Things were different back then. <laughs> so, anyway, yeah. The story that I bring to you today is about Las Boquianchis. It's a story from Mexico, and I just thought that I wanted to bring you guys a little bit of flavor. Ooh, um, flavor. <laughs> I uh, love it, me some spice. Mm-hmm, <laughs> Same girl. Our story today begins in Irapuato, Guanajuato, Mexico. So this is the north central Mexican state of Guanajuato. And it is also known for its mummies. So that state of Guanajuato. Mummies? Yeah. Guanajuato is known for mummies. So they would mummify people before they buried them there? I've never been, but I believe there's like a really important museum there where they have mummies that you can like go check out and stuff. I've never been. I would love to go. That sounds amazing. I would love to go. Me too. But is it mummies from like a long, long time ago? Yeah. Or is it like they still do that? No, I don't think so. So it's like I'd have to look into it. Yeah. But yeah, they, That's there's fa- mummies I didn't there. know that. I only know, I hear mummy, I think Egypt. Well, I remember because whenever we were kids, we would go to Mexico in the summers. Mm-hmm. And there was this one summer that we went and we checked out the pyramids and stuff. <gasps> Not so there, cool. in a yeah. different place called Teotihuacan. And we went there and we checked out the pyramids. We climbed the pyramids. That's it was so a lot cool. of fun. I thought it was amazing. Do you have pictures of that? Yes, I do. We I'll have to, to bring them, them in. Yeah. But, um, I also wanted to go check out the mummies, but it was kind of like a one or the other type deal. Uh, so like okay. we can either go check out the pyramids or we pay can for go both. see the so mummies. Like, pick a, pick a well, excursion. Well, it's different locations <laughs> also. Totihuacan is like, I think it's like the complete opposite uh, direction gotcha. of going to Guanajuato. So next time you we, go, can I go? Yeah. Yes. I, I actually really want to go in November. Like I told you, like November 1st and 2nd, I want to go to Oaxaca. I'm really, looking it up. really fucking bad. I want to go see the day of the dead. I've never used everything. my passport. All right. So I, are you I, serious? I, I'm completely serious. It's <laughs> expired. So I've never bad. used it. But I, I can't find anybody to go with me. So <gasps> I'm trying to like convince my dad to go with me. Also, no, I'm more fun than your dad. <laughs> Actually, your well, dad sounds I want like a blast. Him to come with me because he loves to travel, and also he's Is it really Tuesday good. Tuesday and Wednesday. Hmm? It's yeah, it's during the week. That's right. I got PTO. He's very good at um, getting bargains, like uh, haggling people, and then also he is Mexico Mexican from Mexico, so. It gives me more credibility being there because they won't just, get kidnapped. Exactly. I won't get kidnapped <laughs> for ransom. All right. Well, I'm going to look into this. Give me some prices and I'm going. This isn't what you guys are here for. Well, Sorry. We're making plans on, we're making plans in front of you. Sorry. 
join us if you like. That sounds amazing, though. I want to go. I want to go so bad. But anyway, Guanajuato is known is also known for its mummies. That's not what our story is about today. Unfortunately. Who, <laughs> who are Las Boquianchis? This is the nickname that was given to these sisters, Delfina, Maria del Carmen, Maria Luisa, and Maria de Jesus Gonzalez. All last name Valenzuela were born in in El Salto Jalisco. So yes, they are all named Maria, but a little slightly different. They probably go by their middle name, don't they? Yeah, yeah. Because that's very common. mm -hmm. So there's Carmen, Luisa, Maria de Jesus, and Delfina. I love the name Luisa. Luisa, it's pretty. I love it. I would call, if I had a little girl, I would name her Luisa, and I'd call her Lulu. Oh, my God. That's so cute. Like little Lulu Lucifer over there. Yeah, I've got a Lulu. That's my Lulu. If he decided to identify as a woman, I'd call him Luisa. That's right. Lucifer. From 1945 to 1964, the four sisters ran Rancho El Angel, which is basically the HQ of their large-scale prostitution ring and the site of the murder of at least 91 people. People or men? People. Okay. (laughs) Men are people, too, I would like to say. (laughs) I wish we had a camera here, a little finger wag. Finger wag to you. (laughs) Which is the official count, but it's believed that the four killed more than 150 people or even more than 200. It was a mixture of exploited women, newborns, and clients. So newborns. This is how shitty these women were. Guinness World Records called them the most prolific murder partnership. Family dynamic going on here. So in El Salto, Jalisco, they were all born into a very dysfunctional family, as I'm sure it's not shocking to find out. No. Their father, named Isidro, was a police officer. He was also an alcoholic, a sexist, and no surprise here, he liked to use his position to abuse his family. So he would beat his family, and then who's going to tell on a police officer? Like, who's going to arrest a police officer for domestic violence? Just he's, like in America, he's a he could police get officer. to an American police force. <laughs> yeah. the qualifications. Just so, like anywhere. Good to know it's not just America, it's all Is over it? the world. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, he would uh, abuse his family physically and verbally, emotionally, I'm sure. Um, it said that he forced the sisters to witness the torture of detained prisoners when oh. they were just kids. So, like, imagine growing up and, like, this is your life. Your father is a That's police what's officer forming and your he's brain. forcing you. To, yes, exactly. These are very formative years and you're forced to watch the torture of detained prisoners. So That's this this was their upbringing. Sick. Their mother, Bernardina, was a religious fanatic. So she was very devoted to her Catholic church, mm. and she tried to instill some good old Catholic guilt and cult-like worship of the religion into yeah. the kids. So anyway, um, yeah, that was their upbringing. Uh, as you can imagine, it probably wasn't the best foundation for four little girls to grow up <sighs> so into sad. wonderful, productive women of society. So Sister Godman, the Maria del Carmen sister, um, in 1938, she is the oldest of the Marias. She began having an affair with a much older man. This is 1938 again. She was caught by her father, Isidro, who lost his fucking mind whenever he found out that she was having an affair with an older man. And he used his power in office to send her away and lock her up in jail. He kind of wanted to like teach her a lesson. And that same day, Isidro was sent to go look for a criminal, which was part of his job as a police officer, go look for criminals. He ended up killing the man, the criminal that he went to go find. And that must have not been part of the assignment. He must have known that he fucked up because he proceeded to run away and live life on the lam for a while and hiding out in small towns near the city. But Godwin was still stranded in the town jail for 14 months. Ouch. So, (laughs) exactly. (laughs) He was trying to teach her a lesson, and then all that shit happened. She was freed by an old man named Jesus, who she ended up marrying. I was like, who she married? Yeah, she did. She ended up marrying him. Of course she did. That's probably the deal he made. Like, I'll let you out (laughs) if you marry me. (laughs) Dangling the keys. (laughs) 
Oh, her God, fine. God She's like, damn fine, it. I'll marry you. So. I'll just poison you when you're not paying attention. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, in the 1930s, Godwin and her new husband opened a modest little bar to their dismay. I love that. A modest bar. <laughs> Wenches everywhere. <laughs> That's what it says here, a modest bar. And to their dismay, though, the business was not as profitable as Jesus thought that it would be. They were actually in the red, and they were spending more money on the bar than it was bringing in. Was this in the? Was he uh, a drunk? Was this in the religious community? Possibly. <laughs> he was drinking uh, <laughs> all the profits. That happens. So, um, but it says here, but not before she learned that everything that she could regarding the bar business. So during this, even though they're not making a profit, she's still absorbing all of this knowledge, like how a bar is run, how to like do this type of how business, how not to run it, how not, how to-, not to run it. <laughs> so she was taking notes. Exactly. Good for her. And then Delfina, the second older sister, she saw the bar business that her sister Carmen was running, and she was kind of inspired by her sister's entrepreneurial spirit. She's like, oh, sis is kind of over there doing her thing. And she decided to do something similar, but with more of a brothel twist. But with hoes. Exactly. (laughs) Call it a bar with but hoes. Hey, I am all about it. And she opened a brothel in her own hometown in El Salto, thinking that this is a good idea because there's less police there. It's a smaller town. Uh, law enforcement in smaller towns is easier to be Manipulate. friends with, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Manipulate, if you will. Come, come in. Just write me this ticket. I've got <laughs> this bedroom for you. <laughs> she was able to bring girls in and send flares at night to the surrounding towns to pr- promote her business. So the flayers, I believe, were just like in charge of collecting more girls. And um, she was even surprised that most of her customers at the bar slash brothel were police and military and high-ranking politicians. And she didn't really know what was up if she was surprised by that. (laughs) (laughs) She just wanted to open a good old downtown bar. Good old-fashioned bar slash brothel. Party brothel. She didn't realize that there was going to be all these police, military, and high-ranking politicians. I just wanted the degenerates. I didn't mean for the politicians and the respectables of the town to show up. She didn't know how far it was going to go. That's where the money's at. That's where you're in. <laughs> okay, so her practice brothel lasted until 1948. And then uh, shortly after that, a scandal not far from her bar caused authorities in the area to turn their attention to her business. So Delfina temporarily moves her business to San Juan de los Lagos, which is like a neighboring city. It's another city in the same state of Jalisco, but not like far off. And that's when it becomes more of a family-type business. Uh, Maria de Jesus, her other sister, collects payment from the customers, and Luisa was in charge of the kitchen. Godman sews the clothes that the girls are wearing, and she keeps record of all their debts. Quote-unquote debts. She's the accountant. So you had <laughs> The a, accountant you, you of the group, a, if you a will. a pimp, a chef, and an accountant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Exactly. <laughs> So, two weeks after settling in San Juan de los Lagos, Delfina had collected enough money to move the operation to Guanajuato, which is another state in Mexico. That's the one with the mummies, where the sex work was actually legal there. So, they decided to move the whole operation over there. Smart. That could be a big bonus. Could be, because you don't have to hide. Um, now you can have a glowing light in the window that says, No more discount nudes. for law enforcement. <laughs> Live news. <laughs> Have one of those window shopping operations. Yeah. Ooh, like the red light district. So how the Pokianchis get their name in Guanajuato, she bought the house of a famous homosexual man named nicknamed El Pokianchis. And the people transferred that nickname to the sisters and it just kind of stuck. So like the house that they bought, that makes He's sense, He's a famous right? homosexual. He's was famous, he famous for being homosexual? I think he was probably famous for being homosexual in that town at that and, time. Yeah. Probably yeah. because it's time. not like mm-hmm. common to be homosexual. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. And then it just kind of stuck because they bought the house. And now like because it was his house and his nickname was Bocchianchis, now they're the Bocchianchis. Okay. Yeah, I kind of like that. Pi- a, <laughs> a lot. She went back to abducting minor girls, turning them into sex slaves. 
I'm not into that. Business as usual <laughs> for her. Um, so in Guadalajara, around 1954, the Poquianchis opened another brothel in Lagos de Moreno, Jalisco. Um, prostitution is illegal in this state, so they established connections with corrupt authorities and people in power to remain protected and to be able to continue to operate. And they also networked with kidnappers in the Republic Oof. to attain women who they plan to prostitute. So it's like a whole network at this point. Oh, this, this is, is a whole sex ring. It's like disgusting. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And See, it's like if you got willing participants, it's one thing. If you've got I to kidnap people, that's underage enti- girls that's and children. Entirely that's different. disgusting. Yeah. Um, the age of the victims was usually between 12 to 15 Oof. who were brought under the guise of well-paid work. And because they want to help out their families, it's probably very Ugh. easy to lure them in with well-paid work. Um, sometimes it was the family themselves who would sell the girls in exchange for money. Because mm. as you can imagine, money was probably short. and like It mm. was dire necessity at the time. So these families would just sell off their girls thinking that they're going to go work probably as a maid or something like that i know it makes me want to throw up i don't it's terrible um so once at the brothel the women were raped by an employee of the ring and beaten to break them in psychologically Ugh, yuck they were immediately put to work at the training brothel in the farming town of san francisco del rincon the Bocianchis provided them clothes and food at arbitrary prices to create debt that would become impossible for them to pay off. So basically, they were never going to be able to leave because of the system that they created, making them in debt to them because of like whatever yeah. their necessity were. Welcome to Necessities America. Were, like, That's kind of a clothes. common practice still to this day. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. It's really terrible. Um, so remember that good old Catholic guilt that their mother was trying to instill oh, into just, them from a very young age. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so it did manifest within them, but in a very weird in way. A twisted way? Yeah, as you can imagine. So as we talked about before, Mama Bernandina was a religious woman and she taught the sisters a fear of God. But for some reason, they didn't really see anything wrong with abusing these girls these children um but however (laughs) any type of like kissing like touch oral sex or homosexual interactions with the clients was strictly forbidden because that's sinful so like you you none of that shit here in this brothel we were in a pure brothel like Mm. none of that Mm. only penetration because that's a type of work everything else was a sin and it was shameful so just, I think they missed the memo. Yeah, so premarital sex is not a sin. They're there. fucking crazy. Okay. Pretty All much. Right. Maria de Jesus went as far as putting holes in the walls in order to make sure that none of their slaves were committing these disgraceful acts. So she That's wanted a lot to spy of on them and like make sure that like nobody was being sinful. And um, so whose fault would it really be? <laughs> right? The person or like the poor tortured child anyone caught doing these things would actually be tortured oh god and so the torture what that entailed um included hitting the girls with sharp nails hot iron metals starvation obviously they would get scarred and bruised from these punishments because they're made of bone and flesh so who wouldn't get scarred to which they would then be considered ugly and would be discarded as if they weren't actual living human beings and just thrown away so basically they would torture them destroy them and throw them out on their own yeah because now they're ugly even though they're the ones that did that to them oh god so, um, trigger warning. This probably should have the been at the beginning of the warning. episode. But once the woman reached the age of 25 or became ugly, they were murdered by the male accomplices called a verdugo. And the verdugo was given the task of torturing them some more. So some of the um, earlier victims would later become accomplices working as wardens or even participating in homicides. Oh, and uh, they became, many of the girls became sick and they would die of poor diets. If they became pregnant, then an abortion would be performed 
or the infants would be murdered after the birth. So, yeah, pretty fucking dark. The way that they came down, like the way that their whole little scheme was put to rest In 1963, there was a change in government in Guanajuato, and along with it, the abolishment of sex work in brothels. So as a result, the sisters ended up moving the operation back to the state of Jalisco, and there, Delfina and Maria de Jesus continued their business flying on the hotels of their first brothel. Delfina's son was in charge of making sure that the girls didn't run away and was murdered in a bar during a fight. Oh, so they set it up, basically. Kind of, yeah. Um, so it was a big old mix-up. Delfina was livid, obviously, that her son was murdered. And she took a gun with her, hoping that she was going to find her son's murderer and kill him and get vengeance. And she was not successful. Uh, her use of an illegal weapon actually brought more attention to her. And Maria de Jesus recommended her sister to hide in Guadalajara for a while, The police mixed up the bar fight location with the brothel and instead of closing down the place of the murder, ended up raiding the illegal brothel. Maria and 20 of the sex workers were kept in the brothel for a day. All of a sudden, the power goes out, which is weird, and Maria Maria de Jesus and her helpers managed to escape to a house that was owned by Delfina, the other sister, in San Francisco del Rincón, and they spent almost eight months in that house with very little food. They became starved and fragile. They were looking, they looked like skeletons because they hadn't eaten in eight months. And they were contracting diseases from living in these terrible conditions. Oof. They probably weren't bathing regularly, so there's probably all sorts of disease going Great. around. Never mind the promiscuousness. <laughs> Well, and some of them died from lack of nutrients, of course, because they're starving. Scurvy. I'm just kidding. <laughs> in 1964, on January 6th of 1964, Delfina and her sister took the girls to the torture ranch. The helpers, Ooh, the torture the helpers and the child victims were caged in tiny cells and were warned to not try and run away. At this point, like they know that people are looking for them, so they're trying to get these victims to comply as much as possible, <sighs> telling them that they need to stay in these cells and they need to like not they run away. They have a torture ranch, which yeah. is basically like a concentration camp. Mm. Oh, and God. if they made any noise or caused any trouble, that they would be killed. And I'm sure that they believed them because I they've seen it I would make so happen. much noise and just end it. End it now. Right? Yeah, you're probably going to get killed in I would just start banging my little like little cup against the rails. <laughs> it would like, be so hard to maintain any type of hope in that type God, of situation. No kidding. I'm like, I'm done. I am done. No one so, else give up. Please don't do that. <laughs> but if they had, they wouldn't have escaped Aubrey. Yeah. <laughs> Six days later, Carolina Ortega escaped. She let three mothers of the other victims know where their daughters were. And the three mothers rushed into the police station in the city of Leon and told the police chief of the tip on the whereabouts of their long-missing teenage daughters. So their daughters had been missing for a long time. The mothers had been looking for them, and they would have never known where their daughters were if it wasn't because of Carolina Ortega Mm -hmm. escaping and letting those mothers know, like, I know where they are. As a mother, I would never give up. Yeah. And um, they were able to find them that way. They were told they were being held captive in a ranch somewhere near Leon. I guess she didn't know the exact location. Uh, But two days later, the police chief was investigating a ranch in the area when he stepped on some soft earth. And he was shocked when he found an arm within that soft (laughs) earth. Like a Uh, a shallow grave? Yeah. So this was the first clue that's like, okay, there's definitely something here. Something's going on. After the arrest, many graves were discovered where the Pokyanchis would bury their victims. So they just kept digging after finding that oh, arm. Oh, God. Yeah. This is dark. It is. <laughs> it's a good I, story, I though. Know. I'm, ugh, I didn't realize how dark it was. You know I was. appreciate dark. After storming into the ranch house, the police found 19 teenage girls, including the three for whom the search began. And um, the Mexican newspapers described the situation as a concentration camp for white slaves. That's so funny because early, well, not funny, but like interesting that you compared it to a concentration camp earlier. Yeah. And they're because literally saying that yeah. it was they a concentration said white camp. White slaves. 
Well, that's what they used to call it back in the day whenever it was prostitution. They would call it white slavery. And that really just meant... I had to ask my dad about this. I was like, what the fuck is white slavery? I was like, why does your dad's heard of this? Yeah, because I asked him. I was like, have you ever ever heard of this? And he's like, yeah. He's like, what was these prostitute sisters or whatever? And I was like, why didn't you never tell me about this? He's like, why would I tell you about this? (laughs) I would be. So it's something that is very commonly known there. I don't know how commonly known is or if he just has similar dark interests. What year was he born? Uh, 65. And this happened all in, what was it? This was before his day. But yeah. There's a movie about it though. But it was in the 60s when it first went down, right? And yeah, so it's not too far from when he was born. But he would have been older by then. By the time he learned about it though. Yeah. But I mean, think about it. If you were born in the 80s and something went down, by the time you hit 18, Mm -hmm. you've heard about it. And then again, there's the movie Mm -hmm. and like they're... What Quite movie? Prolific. There's a movie. I'll get to it. I don't remember what it's called. It's not. Um, I found it on YouTube. You can see it on YouTube now. It's an old movie. Is it in English or Spanish? It's in Spanish. Yeah. I still will watch it. Is there <laughs> subtitles? Because I can watch it. Um, I don't remember. I didn't watch the movie. I can't spell it. So, but I'll it's very to hard me. to watch because the quality is also not that great. It's not what we're used to now. It's all right. I'm used to bootleg. <laughs> <laughs> So where was I? Yeah, it was described as a concentration camp for white slaves. And the cells were really tiny. They were grisly torture devices. Uh, Delfina was 55. Maria de Jesus was 40. A bunch of their helpers were also arrested. Luisa was accused of practicing rituals that involved human blood. She allegedly never participated in the prostitution ring and killings, is what she said. Further inspection of the ranch and at two brothels that were owned by the sisters uncovered the remains of 17 other young women and five babies. More. Upon further investigation, the police found evidence of at least 35 murders. Some say the total exceeded 100 discovered 90 buried women, charred fetuses, and human bones. It was obvious that the human trafficking ring, white slave times, had been operating for at least 10 years. So this has been going on for a while. The victims ranged from ages 14 to 25. So fucking young. Yeah. So young. And they all came from poor families that were lured with the promise of jobs as maids in upper class families. So these were just people like trying to get (sighs) better for themselves, like trying to live better lives, trying to earn more money. And they were lured here. And this is out of desperation. I hate this. Like, I want to cry. Like, why did I pick this story? It's a very good story that I've never heard of this. And, like, it'd be interesting to see if people from Mexico are like, yeah, this is something we all know about. You know what I mean? Like, we haven't heard it. But the thing is, like, your dad knew about it. Mexico goes, there's so much that goes on. Like, <laughs> this is probably so, such old news compared yeah. to new things happening. But it's such a, um, it's a big story, though. I mean, like, it's, it's got deep roots. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? So at least 2,000 girls had passed through the rings since 1954. Wow. How insane is that? Holy shit. Most were sold to the brothel owners throughout Mexico at $80 per girl. The rest went to their own establishments. Oh, my God. Imagine. You think that's what a girl's life is worth? $80. I really regret doing this story. Like, I'm going to throw up. This is disgusting. I think it's fantastic to go on. I mean, like, as a story. I'm trying to, like, keep going. (laughs) It's, oh, shit. (laughs) Okay. I'm honestly fascinated. I'm really, I've never heard of this. I think it's really interesting. Yeah. Why would we hear about this here in the U.S.? Mm. We've got our own sex rings to talk about. (laughs) And we don't like to talk about them. We like to keep them hidden. Testimony. One 14-year-old girl said that when a girl would get sick from not being given enough to eat and being beaten so badly that she would be taken from the room where she was locked up and 
uh, we would never see her again, that we were told that she was taken to the hospital. So what going to the hospital meant is that the girls were being sent to the ranch near Leon, and the sick were sent there to die. <laughs> the rebellious girls were sent here for discipline. Oof. And the girls were... That would be me. <laughs> I would end up a rebellious girl sent for discipline. It would suck even more. Well, you would have been starved to death. Yeah. Beaten, buried yeah. alive, or thrown off of a rooftop. I hope that they're basically a rooftop these people instead of bury no me alive. I am terrified. Life. I am terrified of the dark and I am claustrophobic. So I would rather be hurled off the top of a freaking roof. To be honest, that sounds like the most merciful death. Yeah. Because opposed to any of the others. Just the idea that sets me into a panic attack. Like I can feel it in my chest getting tight. Like, oh God, it's the worst. One of the helpers admitted that some died of hunger, some died of sickness, and others couldn't take the punishment with the stick. Oof. The helper went on to describe how she sprinkled the bottles with car- the bodies with kerosene and set them on fire. Then she would call the gravedigger. A survivor told how she was left alone without medical care while giving birth to her child, which then died and was buried in the ranch yard. Jesus Christ. Oh my goodness, I forgot about the royal bed called La Cama Real. Uh, the most feared torture was the Camarreal, a narrow board onto which girls were placed and wrapped in barbed wire so that even the slightest movement caused cutting. And these sessions would go on for days at a time. Oh. Who the fuck thinks of these things? I mean, that's the easy thing to think of, though. I mean, barbed wire is fucked up. I wouldn't tie someone up. So the way they kind of all ended up coming to some sort of justice... Um, in San Francisco del Rincón courtroom with no spectators to guard the perps or to attack them, the three sisters were found guilty of first-degree murder, white slavery, and assorted other crimes. As we mentioned before, white slavery is the old name that they used to give for... For, like, yeah, prostitution, prostitution or sex slaves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that. Trafficking, sorry. Trafficking. 19 other persons were also convicted of being members of the ring and given jail sentences. Maria de Jesus and Delfina received 40 years, which was the max at the time. Luisa was also sentenced to 40 years, although, again, she allegedly didn't take part in the ring. She was just into the human blood ritual part of it. Godman had already died of cancer in 1949. That fucking horror. The ugly she got from the inside out. (laughs) Yeah, so she got to like not see justice here on this planet. Maybe she felt it. Let's just think of it that way. So I'm sure she's feeling it wherever she's at. Hell, the sisters. (laughs) Wherever I don't know. I mean, she's Catholic. Maybe she's she's reincarnated as a slaughter. Mm, She's Catholic. She's in hell. (laughs) It's like little Nikki. She's getting pineapples shoved up her ass. The sisters admitted that they operated brothels, but they denied guilt for any of the deaths. They said that they would be appealing. That's ballsy. Yeah. Right? I don't know. These bodies what are you just showed appeal? up. I, I, do, I don't <laughs> understand. Look, I heard these bitches out, but I did not kill them. <laughs> okay. <laughs> they wanted to die. They wanted to die. They knew the rules, and they broke them. I think that's like a contract. They wanted to die. But perhaps maybe a little bit of cosmic justice happened on October 17th of 1978. Delfina was killed by a construction worker who accidentally let a bucket full of cement fall on her head. That's fucking hilarious. What are the fucking odds? But I love it. That is karma. I love it. Accidentally. I Hmm. love it. (laughs) That's what you get. I mean, 70s. So this went on for so long. Well, by then she was incarcerated. But my point is, it started what? In the 40s? 50s. 50s, 50s. And... All the way to the 70s. So a bucket of cement fell on her head? That is karma. Where the hell Love was it. she when the bucket fell on her head? Prison. She was already in prison. She was time. out for her yard time. Oh. And all of a sudden, yoink. A bucket of cement fell on her fucking head. Poetic just like justice. it should have always yes. been. <laughs> Talk about a more perfect target. Maria de Jesus reverted to her religion while in prison. And she was actually set free before her finished her sentence finished, which is enraging. Um, she quickly married, and then she even had the luxury of dying peacefully in her own home. 
which is who the fuck would marry up. her? I I don't know. That's a strange kink. Yeah, that's a weird kink. I'm not even, I'm on the kink shame there. <laughs> weird kink. Luisa, the she probably learned a thing or two about a thing or two though. Let's be real. <laughs> Luisa, human ritual girl, ended up in a mental hospital, and in 1984, she also died of cancer. So that's how she came to an end. My mama has always said, I feel like the water boy, my mama said, my mama said, (laughs) my mama has always said, you will rot from the inside out, depending on how you are as a person. And that's what happened to them. So yeah, fucked up bitches doing fucked up shit. That was my that was fucked dark. up story for today. That was I've been dark. sitting on that one for a little bit. Thanks for the I feel actually good really story. enjoyed it because it's it's something that I like the fact that you come like I've never heard of some of the stories you come out with. Like it's very interesting that you find one. I don't know how you found these stories. But I don't know. I found this either. When you ask your dad, he's like, "Oh yeah, like it's so common for like we hear all these stories that we talk about that are so common mm-hmm. here in the U.S. or even like when we do like our Ted Bundys and stuff. Our Ted Bundys, yeah. yeah. Our our you know what's it like? What's her name from Monster? Arlene. Uh Arlene Eileen Warnos. Eileen Warnos. Yeah. Oh my God! I yeah. Like we have typical serial killers that we talk about but you come up with all these like really mexico out there has some stories. dark shit i mean it's dark even now you know with the cartel yeah, even and now but you come up and like the fact that your dad's like yeah i know this story it's like wild to me so i really enjoy like <laughs> like why did you tell me <laughs> why didn't you tell me because you were five because <laughs> you were a child no i mean it's actually very interesting i really enjoy Thank hearing you. it from like and you know, like we tell I was the- so nervous telling it because it was hard to find information on it, and it mm-hmm. is like an older story. And anyone uh, that actually knows about this story, please write in. Like mm-hmm. that would be awesome. Like especially, let's hope we get some followers it's from, from to- Mexico, where you know where you're oh trying to find. Síganos en México, por favor. That would be awesome. You know. This one was for sure macabre. This one fit the name to the T. Yeah, no, that was a good story, though. Macabre till you sob. Macabre. (laughs) That should be our email. (laughs) Macabre to you. That should be a t shirt. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Actually, speaking of merch, we are going, we're working on our our website and we. And we're gonna we're gonna have some merch. Hopefully, that would be a really good T-shirt or a like koozie. <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna have a mostly macabre. I literally wanted to sob telling this story. <laughs> She's a soft one. I'm the hard one. <laughs> no, but like we're gonna have a mostly macabre apothecary where Melody makes her candles, and we're gonna have other stuff. So we're working on that. Hopefully, you guys keep following us, and we will let you know once that's up and running. I cannot wait. I'm really pumped about that because I keep looking up different things that we're gonna we're gonna put out there. We're gonna start our um, Patreon soon to soon as well. We have so. a lot in the works and a lot of work to do. A lot of work to do, but we're hoping that you guys keep following, keep listening, and we are gonna work on that and we will keep you updated. Also, send us your own stories in. We'd love to hear oh, what yeah. you have to say. What macabre type shit has happened to you? Give the email yet yeah, because I screwed up the first time. Mostly macabre pod at gmail.com. And we're going to post some pictures on our Instagram, Mostly Macabre Podcast. All right. We hope you guys keep listening. Bye. Have a great week, everybody.